Poignant and original. This is the addendum. Welcome to episode 135 of the addendum. My name is Eric. The story featured in this episode is not available in any other format. Composing this story has been very difficult. Why exactly that is, I do not completely understand. In fact, it was part of the reason this podcast got derailed a few years ago. The characters, the events, and the plot have always been very clear. However, expressing them has not been easy. There have been many discarded and incomplete attempts up to this point. After recording and mixing this episode, a couple of things came to mind that are worth mentioning. There are a few places where it is temporarily cloudy as to who is talking in the audio format. There are also a couple of unpleasant moments. None of it is lingered upon or gratuitous, but it is worth cautioning listeners who may be squeamish. This draft will eventually be revised. However, it is unclear as to when that will be. That aside, I hope it is engaging and enjoyable. Without any further delay, the story will now begin. Everything That Unfolds by Keith Eric Brandt When Dominic arrived home in the gray hours of an overly humid July evening, Eldritch, the rotund and elderly doorman at his apartment building, was out front talking to a wiry young man. Without warning, the wiry young man punched the old doorman in the face and then in the gut. Eldritch lurched forward, stunned and out of breath. The wiry young man got him in a headlock as he continued throwing uppercuts into the man's face and chest. Dominic grabbed the wiry young man and tried to pull him away from Eldritch. As he did, the wiry young man released the doorman and turned to face him in one swift fluid motion. The wiry young man leered directly into his eyes with contempt. His breath smelled like decay. Without blinking, he grabbed Dominic by the neck and began punching him in the gut. The impact of the first hit knocked the wind from his lungs. The wiry young man smiled with a wicked glint of knowing flickering across his face. He smiled rotted teeth as Dominic collapsed to the ground. The wiry young man took their wallets and everything from their pockets before he turned and ran away. Dominic could not catch his breath. He panted in a shallow panic as he tried to figure out what had happened. It felt like cables were tightening around his chest. He curled in upon himself, bringing his hands to his stomach. His shirt was hot and sticky with blood. The wiry young man had not been punching him. He had been using a knife. Eldritch emitted a gurgling moan. The old man's face was purple and covered with cuts. Blood was everywhere. Everything blurred together, and the tethers of reality fell away. Upon waking, Dominic knew something was terribly wrong. He was in a white and beige hospital room. From the hallway, he could hear the intermittent murmurs of calm and directed conversation. A nurse entered the room. All of her facial features were out of place. It looked as if her eyes, nose, and mouth had been randomly thrown upon her face. She smiled politely and said, It's good to see you're awake. How are you feeling? Her nose began to bleed. A steady stream of blood ran down her chin and neck. 
Dominic was confused and horrified. He shrank back into the pillow as she approached his bed. She said, don't worry, I just need to check a couple of things. She delicately held his wrist between her fingers as she looked at an analog clock on the wall. Droplets of blood fell from her chin onto the bed covers as she counted silently to herself. Dominic cleared fear from his throat and said, Your nose is bleeding. An uncertain look of concern crossed her face as she brought a hand to her nose. She dabbed at the blood, inadvertently smearing it across her cheek. Then she looked at her fingers for a moment before holding her blood-covered palm out for inspection. She said, Are you sure? I don't see anything. Dominic closed his eyes and pursed his mouth. He said, Can I please speak with a doctor? The nurse said, He is currently with another patient. Right now, I need to know if you can tell me who you are. The paramedics had brought him to the emergency room without any identification. His bloody clothes had been cut from his body and discarded as medical waste during surgery that had saved his life. She asked him for his name and a few medical history questions. After she left the room, Dominic brought his hands to his face. He pressed his palms against his cheeks and ran his fingers over his eyelids and across his mouth. He was relieved to find that everything felt like it was where it was supposed to be. A doctor, carrying a clipboard, politely knocked upon the open door before entering the room. His facial features were misaligned as well, but not in the same way as the nurse. His mouth was vertically aligned between his eyes, which were located beneath his cheekbones. He introduced himself before gently pulling the bed covers back, revealing that Dominic was bandaged from his chest down to his groin. Dominic had been stabbed nine times. He was barely alive when he was admitted to the emergency room. The surgery went as well as it could have, and despite being unconscious, his recovery over the past three days had been good. The doctor hummed as he examined the stitches and checked for signs of infection. Apparently satisfied with what he did or did not see, the doctor dressed the wounds again and asked if he had any questions or concerns. Dominic studied the doctor's misaligned features for a moment before he tentatively asked, Do you see blood upon this blanket? He pointed at the red spot where the nurse had bled. The doctor gave the bed a cursory look and said, Everything looks fine. Is anything wrong? Dominic expelled a breath and told him about the disorganized facial features and the nurse apparently bleeding without notice or concern. The doctor pursed his lips and occasionally nodded his head as he listened. Then he folded his hands and made a few soft popping noises with his lips as he thought. He then said he would drop orders for him to see a few specialized physicians. For the remainder of the morning and afternoon, Dominic was carted by wheelchair from one clinic to the next. Every nurse, patient, and doctor he saw had misaligned facial features. However, no individual had their features displaced in the same manner as anyone else. Volumes of blood were drawn from him, and countless pictures of his brain were taken. There were no immediate results, and no definite answers were provided, other than there were more tests that could be run. Eventually, one of the orderlies who wheeled him from one destination to another patted Dominic on the shoulder and said, Been a long day. The good news is, after this, there is nowhere left to go. The eighth floor is a good place to relax. They'll take care of you, and you'll be back at it before you know it. The orderly's shoes squeaked on the tile as they exited the elevator. 
There were no patients around and very few doctors and nurses in the hallways. A subdued quietness filled the air with an uncomfortable absence. The orderly waved his identification badge in front of a sensor on the wall next to a closed set of double doors. The locking mechanism disengaged and the doors opened automatically. The corridor in front of them was completely empty. There were no windows and no doorways lining the walls. At the end of the hallway, the orderly leaned on an intercom panel next to another set of locked double doors and said, One, please. After a long moment, a resonated electronic buzzing filled the air. Then there were two clicks as a locking mechanism disengaged. One of the doors opened into a very large room with bright fluorescent lights and a radiant white interior. It was a psychiatric ward. Dominic looked over his shoulder at the orderly who was pushing his chair and said, I don't belong here. The orderly gave him an empathetic look and said, It's not my decision. Dozens of tables filled the middle of the room where patients in white gowns sat in small groups. A row of hardback chairs facing away from a long bank of windows lined the entire length of the far wall. A few patients sat in chairs that had been turned to face the window. The orderly wheeled Dominic to a reception desk that was enclosed by shatterproof glass that was reinforced with chicken wire. A man with blonde hair sat at a desk inside the small office. Uneven patches of facial hair grew over his visibly oily and acne-covered complexion. His attention was fixed on a computer monitor. His arm and right hand rocked back and forth, hidden beneath the desktop. The orderly cleared his throat and said, Hey Joe, this is Dominic. I don't know if his papers were sent yet, but this is where I was told to bring him. The blonde man looked up with apparent irritation. His misaligned features were a mixture of bitterness and contempt. Despite this, his arm did not quit its repetitive motion as he spoke. What am I supposed to do with him? The orderly shrugged and said, It's not my problem. Take a break from what you're doing there and buzz me out. Without another word, he walked to the door where they had entered and waited with his back to the room. The clerk watched the orderly with disdain before he moved his wet hand from beneath the desk and reluctantly pushed a small black button near his computer. He then looked at Dominic, and in a firm and impatient voice, he said, Move your chair. Dominic said meekly, Where am I supposed to move it? The clerk said, I don't care as long as I no longer have to look at you. Dominic said, This is a psychiatric ward. I do not belong here. The clerk repeated, I do not care, and you're not a doctor. Now move that chair. Dominic stared at the blonde clerk with confused disbelief. Then, as he tried to move his wheelchair, he felt a popping sensation in his abdomen, followed by an intense stinging pain. He brought his hand to his left side. In a halted and stiff breath, he said, I need some help. I think I tore my stitches. The blonde clerk bit his lower lip and shook his head. He slapped his palms upon the desk and pushed himself up from his chair. Then he unlocked the door to the small office and leaned out into the large room. He yelled, Lionel! He whistled sharply and yelled again, Lionel, over here, now! Then he retreated back inside and locked the door before returning to the desk. On the far side of the room, in a corner next to the large bank of windows, a large man stood. 
He was tall and broad, but his shoulders slumped forward in a timid and unassuming manner. Unlike the rest of the patients in the ward, Lionel lived there voluntarily. Before he was a teenager, doctors had recommended his full supervised care. His loving and heartbroken parents had set up a trust fund that paid a regular annuity to the hospital in order to cover the cost. It turned out he was relatively happy there and taken care of fairly well. His parents never abandoned him. After more than 20 years, they continued to visit him a couple of times a month. Lionel approached the reception area with an eager pleasantness. His facial features were crowded into the lower right side of his jaw, making the rest of his face look like an overly large forehead. His words sounded muddy and thick. Hi, Joe. How are you? The clerk scratched at a patch of acne on his cheek. Good. Now go back to where you came from and take this invalid with you. Lionel shrugged and said, okay. He then turned and enthusiastically grabbed Dominic's hand and shook it. He said, who are you? I'm Lionel. Dominic introduced himself and then with a languid grace, Lionel guided the wheelchair over to the expansive bank of windows where he had been sitting. The unobstructed view of the bright blue evening sky appeared warm and inviting. However, the light coming in through the window transmitted no heat and made everywhere within the large room feel remote and foreign. A woman with dark brown hair and even darker eyes sat in the corner by herself. She was remarkably beautiful, but more notably, there was nothing wrong with her face. All of her features were in their proper place. Dominic immediately felt warm and a profound kinship, even though they had not met. His doubt fell away. He was not crazy. She studied him for a moment and then shook her head with the trace of a smile curled at the corner of her mouth. Then she laughed quietly and looked out the window. Lionel said, Dominic, this is Elizabeth. She's my friend. She always listens. Always. Dominic said, you don't know how relieved I am to see someone who is normal. Elizabeth looked back at him with mild surprise. And you are too, apparently. Although I was beginning to wonder. She pointed at his hospital gown and said, You're bleeding. The red spot on his lower left side was several inches in diameter. He pressed his hand against it and winced. Elizabeth said, Is it bad? There's no one on call right now because they're in between shifts. Dominic said, it hurts. He looked over at the glass reception office and then back to Lionel and Elizabeth. I'd like to have a doctor look at it, but that clerk isn't going to listen to me. Lionel said, he doesn't like anybody. Dominic said, you seem to get along with him. Will you ask for me? Lionel nodded his head and went to make the request. In a quiet and more urgent tone, Dominic said, what happened to everybody? Why are we the only normal people here? Elizabeth shrugged. It's always been like this. You're the only thing new or different in this room. Dominic said, but you can see it in their faces, can't you? There is something wrong with all of these people, and they are completely unaware of it. Elizabeth said, it's their true face, the contradictory nature people try to hide from others and from themselves. People who are truly honest with themselves have nothing to hide, and with that, everything else becomes a lot more apparent. Dominic said, When did this happen? It's not like this everywhere. Elizabeth raised her eyebrows and said, 
It has always been like this for as long as I can remember. Dominic said, Everybody looked fine a couple of days ago before I woke up in here, even the guy who attacked me. Elizabeth said, Maybe you were lucky before and never had to deal with it. Maybe you've been forced to see the world and people as they truly are because you need to in order to survive. She shrugged again. I agree. It's not everybody, but the normal people, the people who truly know, like you and me, are a very rare minority. Lionel sat down next to them. He said, Joe won't call for a doctor unless you're dead or dying. He said it makes him look bad, like he can't control a bunch of idiots by himself for an hour. Dominic wrinkled his brow. He called us idiots? Lionel nodded his head. With earnest concern, Elizabeth said, I will get a nurse in here now if you need one. She paused with evident trepidation before adding, But it needs to be urgent, because it will make life a lot more difficult for everyone in this ward. Nurse Rinder is in at six every day before the evening meal goes out. Dominic cautiously removed his hand from his side. The spot on his hospital gown had not grown any larger. He returned his hand to the bloody area. It can wait, he said. And then, with exasperated disbelief, he asked, Why would the clerk do that? Elizabeth said, He is angry at the world for his failures. He is a victim of his limitations, and he blames everybody but himself for his problems. He lives in a singular, self-centered world. Dominic said, How does he keep his job? Elizabeth shrugged and said, All he has to do is make sure none of us get out. Why do you think they make us wear these gowns and took away all of our clothes? It makes us easily identifiable as patients by removing our individual differences. It strips away personal expression. It's how they assert control. He doesn't even recognize or know who any of the patients are except for Lionel, who he treats like a personal servant. Lionel said, I have my clothes. They let me keep them in my closet. Elizabeth said, yeah, but that's because you live here voluntarily. It's for the convenience of your parents, so they don't have to wait when they pick you up to take you out on their visits. No one else gets any clothes or personal items, and even you have to wear a hospital gown like everyone else when you're here. Lionel said, I don't feel that way. Elizabeth said, that's because you don't recognize what they're doing, Lionel. Most people don't. They accept things as normal without thinking for themselves or bothering to ask any questions. She turned back to Dominic and continued with her warning about the desk clerk. She said, He doesn't report anything unless it's unavoidable. Don't give him a reason to remember who you are. He is vindictive and he is mean. Nurse Render arrived on time as expected. For the first hour of her shift, she double-checked that each individually prepared meal adhered to the imposed dietary restrictions. That work had already been done in the hospital kitchen by trained dietitians, but Rinder liked to make sure nothing had been overlooked. As a result, the evening meals were typically served cold and more than an hour late. This gave patients less time to eat before the orderlies returned to move all of the dinner trays and utensils, a majority of which had hardly been used. It was not until late in the evening that Dominic was assigned to a bed. The room it was in had not been occupied for more than a year. There were four beds, one in each corner, but only one of them was dressed with a sheet, a blanket, and a pillow. 
Dominic appreciated the privacy, even though the isolation made the room feel eerie and unwelcoming with its excess of unoccupied space. No one had attended to his wound, but it had stopped bleeding hours earlier. It was immediately apparent that the ward was understaffed, and it was pretty clear that the patients were viewed as inconvenient, nameless burdens instead of individual responsibilities. In exhaustion, he lay down on his bed. He slowly blinked his eyes, finding it more difficult to keep them open. He then realized he had left the overhead lights on. The flickering fluorescent bulbs and his overtired mind made it look like hundreds of black flies were crawling and flitting across the ceiling. He tried to get up to turn off the light, but then he lost consciousness. He woke with a feeling of terror in his lungs. Thick shadows covered the room in an impenetrable darkness. Light from the hallway cast an oblong rectangle of illumination upon the floor. Across from him, a woman appeared to be sitting on the edge of one of the unoccupied beds. As he looked at her with uncertainty, she turned on a flashlight. She stood and approached his bedside. It was a nurse dressed in a white uniform that was decades out of date. Her face was horrific. Everything was in the right place, but her mouth extended all the way up to the corners of her eyes. She smiled menacingly, revealing countless tiny needle-pointed teeth. Her limbs were thin, and her fingers were overly long. In a raspy whisper, she said, The report says you've been picking at your stitches. Dominic flattened himself against the mattress as she leaned over him. He said, It was an accident when I tried to move my wheelchair. I haven't touched them. I've been waiting for a nurse. Her eyes lit with a coy certainty, almost as if his reply had been a challenge to her authority. At the corners of her mouth, the musculature attached to the edge of her eyeball could be seen behind her teeth. She said, The wait is over. I am Nurse Rinder. Her intense and awful smile grew as her fingers delicately reached around his neck and untied his hospital gown. Then, quite abruptly, she pulled it from his body and dropped it to the floor. His skin flashed hot with embarrassment, making the air around him feel icy and cold upon his flesh. He quickly moved his hands to cover himself. As he did, she grabbed his wrist with her long, spire-like fingers. Her touch was uncommonly warm. As she tightened her grip upon his wrist, she said, Do not fight me. The compression was painful. She was incredibly strong. He could feel the bones in his arm pressing together, pinching nerves and muscle between them. She stared into his eyes with the curiosity of a predator. After a long moment, she let go of his arm and it fell back to his side. Then she winked at him and said, Be good. She lifted the edges of his bandages with her spindly fingers, peering beneath each one with intense scrutiny. She hummed and said, I see everything. I know everything you do, and I know everything you think. With each inflection, she poked at his wounds, inflicting arcs of pain up his chest and down through his groin. Do not contradict me. Do not cause trouble. Do not hurt others, and do not hurt yourself. There is nothing else you have to do. Then, with meticulous care, she cleaned the wounds and replaced the bandages with fresh gauze taped securely into place. 
In the quiet darkness, she shined her flashlight upon him, slowly moving the beam of light from his head, down his body, to his toes, and then back to his eyes. She said, Heed my words. Then she walked back to the bed across from his and reseated herself. The beam from her flashlight pointed at his bare feet for a moment and then to his hospital gown that remained crumpled on the floor. Then with a click, the beam of light turned off. After a few moments, the utter blackness faded into a spectrum of gray shadows. Dominic closed his eyes. He was afraid to move. He remained distinctly aware of the sounds of her breathing as she continued to watch him in the darkened room. The following morning, he woke shivering and naked. He wanted to believe everything the night before had been a nightmare, but his injuries were dressed with fresh bandages and his blood-stained hospital gown lay upon the floor beside his bed. After breakfast, a nurse Dominic did not recognize took him to an appointment with a psychiatrist named Littman who oversaw the inpatient ward. The indifferent nurse wheeled Dominic through a pair of doors in the main room that were located behind the reception area. The hallway was lined with unfamiliar medical equipment. Muffled cries escaped through closed doors with opaque windows that were labeled observation rooms. Dr. Littman's office was located at the end of the corridor. He was a genial man with gray hair that had receded down to his ears. His mouth was located on his forehead, and his eyes and nose were pressed together on his left cheekbone uncomfortably close to his ear. He wore a persistent and placid smile, but the upside-down orientation of his mouth translated the glib smugness into a permanent plane of worry across his forehead. The doctor greeted Dominic at the door of his office with the smell of warm coffee rolling off his breath. He thanked the nurse and then wheeled Dominic inside. The walls of the cramped and small room were covered with faux wood paneling. The doctor sat behind a large desk in one corner of the room that faced an overstuffed couch and a large, worn leather chair in the opposite corner. After a brief introduction, the doctor told Dominic that he was concerned about a few reports he had received regarding his self-destructive behavior. At first, Dominic was confused until he realized that the accidental tearing of his stitches must have been misreported by the vindictive desk clerk. He explained how the injury happened, and after a few more questions, Littman appeared satisfied. Then the doctor added that Dominic really should be able to move around on his own without the wheelchair. Walking would not put any stress on his abdomen or interfere with healing. Upon hearing this, Dominic stood and expressed relief before reseating himself upon the couch. The doctor asked if there was any familial history of mental illness, to which Dominic replied there was none. He explained that the change in perception had happened after the knife attack when he was recovering in the emergency room. At that point, the doctor asked why he had attacked the doorman. Dominic sat up and stiffened. He said, I was helping Eldridge. That's when I was attacked. Littman said, Who is Eldridge? You'll have to forgive me. I only have a few notes regarding what the paramedics told the emergency room staff when you were admitted. All I have is you are homeless and you were injured while attacking a doorman who died at the palatial apartments. A feeling of horror washed over Dominic. He quickly said, that's completely wrong. Eldritch is the doorman at the palatial apartments where I live. 
He was being attacked, and I tried to stop it. After a brief consideration, the doctor said, Well, there is a definite pattern emerging. Apparently, you don't believe anybody in the hospital is competent or knows what they're doing. In that moment, Dominic felt empty and helpless, recognizing he was on the losing end of a fight. He said, I'm only pointing out what I know is incorrect. That's it. I'm not making any judgment about you or anybody else. Littman said, There's no need to be defensive. I'm only restating what you have said and checking with you to make sure it is correct. Dominic said, Whatever I say is going to look bad. I have no reason to lie. Ask me anything you like and I will tell you the honest answer. The doctor said, You appear to feel unjustly persecuted. Do you feel everybody is out to get you? Dominic said, I shouldn't be here at all. I don't need a mental ward. Aside from that and the apparent miscommunication involving my medical records, everything is fine. As he spoke, he paused and felt an uncomfortable fear wash over him. Littman said, You can be honest with me. You told me you would be. Dominic expelled a breath and said, I'm not paranoid, but the inpatient clerk does not like me for some reason. He is mean and refuses to help people. If you don't believe me, ask any of the other patients. I'm only telling you what they've told me. Nurse Rinder, on the other hand, visited me in my room last night and she threatened me. I would like her removed or for me to be moved somewhere else where she cannot get to me. The doctor sat back in his chair and exhaled a slow, thoughtful breath. Then he raised his eyebrows and said, Is there anything else you feel I should know? Dominic had felt relatively fine before he had entered the office. Now he felt defeated. He shook his head and said, I can't think of anything I could add that might help. The doctor spoke as he wrote a few notes to himself on a notepad. He said, I'm starting you on an antipsychotic, which should help balance you out and reduce any anxiety you are experiencing. Dominic said, As long as you keep Render away from me, I will be all right. In an impatient and firm tone, Littman said, This may be tough to hear, but I think a dose of reality is needed. I can't move indispensable people around when there is no one to fill the position, and I will not change policies on an unsubstantiated claim. If you have a problem with her, that is fine. I am making a note of it in your chart. If you need anything after hours, contact the desk clerk and they will find someone to help you. Dominic said, don't do that. Please don't put any of this in my chart. It will only make things worse. The doctor pursed his lips together and raised a hand in resignation. He told Dominic he would do what he could, but his recovery and well-being ultimately was dependent upon his effort and attitude. The same nurse who had brought Dominic to his appointment escorted him back to the inpatient psychiatric ward. There was no conversation other than her comment that they would move a lot quicker if they used the wheelchair. In the main room, Elizabeth was sitting in the corner by the large bank of windows. As soon as she saw him, she stood and smiled. With genuine relief, she said, When I saw them take you away, I didn't think you would be coming back. Dominic said, I had to talk with Dr. Littman. Elizabeth said, Most people who go to the observation wing never come back the same. They all have an empty and distant look in their eyes. It's like there is nothing left. Dominic said, All I did was talk to the doctor for a little while in his office. It was pointless. He only heard what he wanted to hear. 
When we were done, he told me he was putting me on an antipsychotic. A look of controlled alarm filled her eyes. She said, Do not take that medication. It is a major tranquilizer. All it does is prevent you from doing anything. It's like being a prisoner in your own body. It's not a cure. It's not even a bandage. From now on, do not take anything they give you. Dominic said, What about my pain medication? It hurts now. I hate to think what it would be like without it. With a stern look, Elizabeth shook her head. Do not take anything anymore. They don't want you to get better. They only want you to be quiet. You are normal. They are not. If you do not find a way out of here, they will take you apart piece by piece until there is nothing left. Dominic said, How am I supposed to do that? Nothing in my medical record is correct and no one will listen to me. Elizabeth said, That part I really don't know. There isn't anything you could say to anyone here anyway. They've already written us off as hopeless. They are not working for recovery. We are paychecks to them and nothing else. They get government subsidies for every incurable patient in their custody. That's how they get paid. They don't want anyone on the ward to get well. They want people who are easy to control. Dominic told her about Nurse Render and then said, I need your help. I am honestly afraid of her. The look on her face changed from controlled alarm to dread and pity. She said, you have to quit talking to doctors and nurses who work here. You've made it worse. I'll try to figure something out, but if you have an opportunity, and I mean any opportunity, take it and don't look back. Dominic said, but what about you and Lionel? Elizabeth said, Lionel will be fine. It may not seem like it, but they work to make sure he is happy and does not tell his parents anything that might take that source of income away from them. I've been here for nearly two years. I know their game. I know their game better than they do. If you really want to help me and Lionel, get out and find help. That evening, Dominic lay in bed with the lights on. He was afraid to turn them off, and he was terrified of going to sleep. He was without hope. There was nothing he could do. He was caught within the gears of an institution, and the more he tried to free himself, the further he was pulled into the grinding teeth of the machine. Nurse Render appeared in the doorway a little before midnight. She said, Are you injured? Do you need help? Dominic said, I'm fine. She nodded her head in an all-knowing manner. Lights are off and patients are in bed at ten. Were you unaware of this? Dominic said, I thought it would be okay to lie here and think for a while. Her wide mouth cut a deep smirk up to her forehead. She turned off the light switch and said, It is clear that you lie. Lying seems to be all you can do. Light from the hallway backlit her remarkably thin legs and arms. She slowly ran the tip of her long and pointed index finger up and down the wall. Then she walked over to his bed and raised her flashlight, shining the beam upon his face. Dominic said, I said I'm fine. I, I don't need anything. Please leave me alone. She raised an index finger to her lips and hushed him, saying, Be quiet. This is between you and me. If you struggle, I will make you scream until you can scream no more. Dominic tried to roll away from her, but it was futile. She grabbed him by the shoulder, and with surprising strength and force, she lay him on his back again. Render held him down and said, Do not fight me. 
It will tear your stitches open, and you will bleed to death before I can get you to the emergency room. With alarmed realization, he lay completely still. He tried to remain calm as he looked into her eyes, but his breath trembled with fear. Render yanked his hospital gown off over his head and threw it to the floor again. Good. Now I will check your stitches. As she pulled the bandages away, she said, I read in your folder that you talked with Dr. Littman. Dominic started to say something, but she put her hand over his mouth. He nodded his head with tears forming in the corners of his eyes. She said, Quiet, quiet. She kept her hand upon his mouth. Her hold was firm and heavy, keeping his head immobile. With her other hand, she traced around the edges of his wounds with her pointed fingertip. Why would you try to have me removed? She picked at his stitches and wiggled her fingers between the threads into his flesh. A searing heat filled the wound like molten iron had been poured inside him. His abdominal muscles cramped and he felt uncontrollably ill. She said, You are infected with something very bad. In the dark room, white light flashed in front of his open eyes. It was far brighter and more intense than any light he had seen before. It felt as if his entire midsection had been torn open. Render gasped and said, The blood is fine. It's not infected. It appears I may have been incorrect with what I thought, much like you have been. Do you want me to continue checking the rest of your wounds? Dominic's cry was muffled against her hand. Hot tears ran down his cheeks. He tried to shake his head back and forth, but he could not move. She watched him with intense curiosity, as if his expression were foreign and new to her. Then she released her hold upon his mouth, and she patted him on the chest. She said, It is much better to obey than it is to fight. Do we agree? Dominic nodded his head. She smiled with wicked radiance and said, You did not take your medication when it was handed out. In a soft and broken voice, Dominic said, I don't need it. I'm not crazy. Render leaned in close, nearly pressing her nose against his. She said, That is not for you to decide. Her hot breath smelled like tart candy. Dominic licked his lower lip and nervously said, I need to talk to another doctor before I take anything. Render studied him a moment longer and then said, Your girlfriend lies to you. The quiet one with dark hair and brown eyes. She doesn't want you to get well. She wants you to stay here with her. Render took a white pill out of her pocket and held it between her blood-covered fingers. She said, You will not get better if you do not do what you are told. She inserted her fingers between Dominic's lips and into his mouth. He could taste his blood upon her fingers as she pushed the pill down his throat. He reflexively gagged and tried to twist away from her, but she cupped her hand over his mouth, holding him firmly in place once again. For all he fought, it was too late. He had already swallowed the pill. After a few minutes, she let go of him and said, Nothing will get better if you continue to fight me. Without taking her eyes off of him, she walked to the foot of his bed and folded her arms across her chest. In a quiet voice, Dominic said, you don't need to stay. I will be good. Nurse Render said, I know. But she remained where she was and continued to watch him in the dark. He woke feeling exhausted. The room was overly bright 
and he was wearing a freshly laundered hospital gown. Everything before him felt hazy and distant, like he was viewing it remotely from very far away. His thoughts were cloudy, and he was unsure if anything around him was real, or if reality itself was only a dream. Lionel was standing in the doorway of his room. He smiled and waved enthusiastically. He said, Are you awake now? Dominic stared silently at the large man for a moment, and then he smiled in return. He said, Where is everybody? Lionel looked a bit confused and concerned. Then he smiled again. He motioned through the doorway behind him and said, Out in the main room. You must be really tired. I was worried because I hadn't seen you today. They're getting ready to serve the evening meal. Dominic stood and ruminated over what he had just heard before he replied, I must be. A strange feeling of numbness surrounded him, as if he were still wrapped in a cocoon of sleep. As they walked into the commons area, a loud commotion erupted in the far corner near the window. Two orderlies were wrestling Elizabeth from her chair. Each one of them had her by an arm, forcing her to her feet. Nurse Render stood in front of her with an eyebrow raised. She said, It does no good to fight. It only makes things harder for you. Elizabeth cried out, Get your hands off me! What are you doing? I haven't done anything! Nurse Render spoke in a raised but calm voice so everyone could hear her clearly. You are corrupting the minds of your fellow patients. You tell them to rebel. You tell them not to take their medicine. Your boyfriend told me. He is very worried about what you tell him. You will be removed for the safety of yourself and others until your new medication is prescribed and administered. If you do not change, you will not return. Elizabeth continued to struggle in the grasp of the orderlies, but they easily overpowered her. As they dragged her away, she defiantly yelled, This is wrong! This is not normal! You have to fight it! And if you cannot fight it, you must run! You must run and hide! Lionel's face was stricken with disbelief. He looked at Dominic and moved his jaw, but no words came out. Dominic placed his hand on the large man's arm. He nodded his head and said, they will not break her. She told me she will be all right. Lionel said, We have to help her. Dominic shook his head. There is nothing we can do right now. We can get her help, but we can't find it here. Lionel said, What do we do? Dominic said, I need the clothes from your closet. If you let me use them, I can get out of here and find someone to help Elizabeth, okay? Lionel agreed, and they went to his room. He opened a tiny freestanding closet beside his bed and took out a light blue button-down shirt, a pair of dark brown woolen trousers, a black belt, and a pair of black shoes. The clothes were two sizes too large and were as uncomfortable as they looked. Dominic cuffed the legs of the pants and worked an extra hole into the belt so it was tight around his waist. Lionel looked at him with a puzzled and cherubic smile. He said, Is that how I look? Dominic said, Does everything look okay? Lionel laughed quietly and said, I'll ask my parents to buy me some newer clothes. In the main room, the staff had begun distributing the evening meal, even though Nurse Render had not yet returned from the observation wing. Dominic walked to the glassed-in reception desk. The man with blonde hair and bad acne was intently focused upon his computer monitor. Dominic knocked on the window and said, 
I was told I was supposed to leave earlier, but when all that commotion happened, they told me to stay put until things calmed down again. Dominic raised his hands in helpless befuddlement. The clerk looked up from his computer. He scratched at a patch of acne on his cheek and bit his lower lip. He said, There aren't any names on the visitor registry. Who are you and who were you here to see? Dominic said, I came to visit Lionel. A nurse buzzed me in. You must have been at lunch because there was no one at the desk. If I need to sign the registry, I can. I honestly didn't know I was supposed to. Normally my parents come to visit. The clerk slowly nodded his head in recognition. You're Lionel's brother? I thought you looked familiar. You look just like him. He's a good kid, isn't he? Dominic said, he's the best. I wish I could take him with me. The clerk raised his hands and said, things are the way they are, aren't they? Dominic said, yeah, I guess. He waited at the double doors until they hummed with an electric surge and the locks disengaged. He walked the long and empty hallway with a sick nervousness in his stomach. On the elevator, two doctors with misaligned faces were engaged in an erudite conversation. He made it to the ground floor and weaved his way through an unfamiliar, maze-like connection of hallways without any interference or inquiry regarding who he was or where he was going. Despite that, it still felt as if at any moment a hand would land upon his shoulder and pull him back to the confines of the inpatient ward. Outside, the evening air was damp and uncommonly cool for late July. The last raindrops of a thunderstorm fell into shallow pools of water on the blacktop. As Dominic crossed the street, he walked past a young couple who lovingly whispered into each other's ear. Their faces were disorganized as well. Everything that had been a familiar part of his life before the attack no longer appeared to be present. Nothing seemed real anymore, and for the first time Dominic truly felt alone. He was an outsider unable to relate to how others perceived the world. Maybe Elizabeth was right. Maybe it had always been like this, and he had simply been unaware. Maybe there was no such thing as normal. He hesitated, no longer sure of anything. He looked back at the hospital. In the gray cast of evening, the large bank of windows on the eighth floor burned bright. Lionel stood within the illuminated room, looking down at the street with his hands balled tightly together in eager anticipation. Then, as he spotted Dominic, he frantically waved and his face erupted into a smile. Dominic raised his hand and waved back. The ill-fitting clothes he wore felt as if they were falling from his body. A nurse appeared in the window behind Lionel. She put a hand upon his shoulder, apparently to calm him down. He turned to look and nodded his head as she gently took him by the arm and said something to him. Then he waved to Dominic one last time before she led him away. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you for downloading and listening. Until next time, this has been The Addendum.